I'm very full of anticipation about the next few minutes that I get to share with you guys. Um, when Shannon asked me a while ago about this topic with overcoming, I love this topic, but I didn't really have a for sure idea of how I wanted to share it with you. But last Sunday morning, I was awakened, I really do believe, by the Lord very early. And it was like, say this. And I got so excited about it myself, I could hardly wait for seven days to get here to be able to give this to you because I really do believe it's for you and from him. Um, the other thing I want to say is I have prayed for you and I want to encourage you to open your hands really wide and have a lot of anticipation in the next 20 minutes or so because I really believe God's going to encounter you and I really believe some of you are going to find some victory. I, I mean real victory, not some victory. You're going to find full victory. And I believe God is so big and he placed the stars in the sky and he knows them by name. I believe if he's big enough to do that, then all it takes him is a moment to impart a life-altering truth into your brain and into your heart and it can begin to work out into your life and so that's the kind of anticipation I have for what I want to share so I'd like to just pray and then we'll open up um, the word this morning Jesus thank you humbly for this church that you've allowed us to assemble inside of thank you for the freedom that we experience here thank you for the joy and Jesus I know in my heart that you have plans for Highland Christian Church to be a church that overcomes. And that means that we are a church that's made up of individuals who have learned how to overcome so that when we assemble as a church, that together we overcome and advance in your kingdom. And I pray for us, Jesus. I pray for us to believe you. I pray for faith to emerge in your church today and that we will lift our eyes to you and really get a glimpse of you and really see you and really believe that you are big enough to deliver us from the evil one who is trying to keep us under his thumb. I pray for us to have joy and anticipation at the deliverance that is available in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm already kind of blown away because of what the Lord's kind of been saying and offering through worship and kids moment and even the announcements and when Shannon did the communion talk and talked about Thomas because he and I didn't talk and that's exactly where I was going to start. So I'm telling you the Holy Spirit's up to something. So get excited. <laughs> um, I heard a sermon not long ago by a good friend of mine named David Mullins, and I've never forgotten. You know, you hear a lot of sermons in your life, and every once in a while there's one that stands out, and you never forget it. And this was one of those. And he made an interesting statement. He said this. He said, you know, one of the ways you're going to be able to recognize Jesus when you get to heaven is that he'll be the only one there with scars. I don't know if you've thought about that, but for some reason, when Jesus resurrected from the dead and he, he came back in that resurrected, perfected body, for some reason, he held on to his scars. And Shannon read you the scene where Thomas needed to see him. Well, Jesus must value scars. And we don't. In our culture, we do a lot of things to cover up our scars. Women do a lot of cosmetic things. Men probably like to show them, probably, right? You'd probably like to bear them and tell the stories. And being a woman, I come from the place of like, you know, you don't want to, you don't talk about your scars. But maybe if it's not a physical scar, maybe it's an emotional scar. Maybe both genders have something in common there where we don't like to show our emotional scars. 
Um, there's a verse in the Bible, Proverbs 4.23, that says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And if that's the truth, if life pours out of the heart, strength and passion and joy pour out of the heart, then it's probably a for sure and for certain thing that the enemy wants to target the wellspring of life. He wants to scar and damage and wound the place where you're finding strength. And um, there's so many great movies that talk about this. And one of my favorites, so I'm, I'm all about an uh, overcoming movies type person. Like Rocky is my all-time favorite. All-time. Like my 16th birthday, when I walked in the door, my mom had the, the music. Dun, 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 dun. I was like, yes! Like I can hardly hear that music and I just start going, Yes! It's so exciting to me. And when my dad took me to see it, I was like 12 or 13 years old. And, you know, the fight at the end where he's just getting pounded and he's pounded and he pounded and pounded. I remember hitting my dad going, hit, tell him to hit him back. Tell him to hit him back. When's he going to hit him back? And, of course, and in that classic Rocky style, there's that one moment the bell rings. Ding! And he gets that look in his eye. And then he comes and he just swings and swings and swings and he pounds the enemy. And I just, I get so pumped up about movies like that. And, like, a recent Overcome movie was Pursuit of Happiness. I don't know if you saw that what a great movie. I mean, I just cried. And it's like, I love that. It makes me feel like I can conquer the world. And another favorite is Seabiscuit. I don't know if you saw that one. It was a while ago. But one of my favorite lines from Seabiscuit was they were talking about the horse, Seabiscuit, who had come back from a terrible injury, had a terrible scar, and wasn't supposed to be able to run again. But he did run. Not only, or she, I think it was a she. Not only did she run, but she ended up winning. She's an overcomer. And uh, the the guy who had the relationship with the horse was telling the rider, you got to remember, Seabiscuit doesn't run. Her strength isn't found in her legs. Her strength is found in her heart. And I relate to that. I relate to that because overcomers do crazy things that they should not be able to do, but it's because they've got this place of strength in their heart. And the enemy comes and he tries to destroy that place of strength. And our scars are kind of marks where the enemy came and tried to destroy us. But today I want to hopefully encourage you that I believe our scars are actually the points of our power. And the reason I can tell you that is because Jesus did it first. Jesus kept on to those scars. He held on to them, even in his resurrected body, for a reason. It's evidence that he defeated the enemy. This was the best the enemy could do. He could put a hole in my hand and a little hole in my side. But here I stand before you and I have defeated death and I am sitting on the throne and that's all you've got? And that's the spirit of the overcomer. And Jesus modeled it for us and he wants it in his people. He wants that spirit inside of the hearts of his people. And so I, I, I um, have some little scribbles that Brian helped me put together. You know, we have some beautiful artists in our church. I am not one of them when it comes to visual art. I am the Jesus scribbler. That is my name. Um, there's Jesus painters, and people can do beautiful things. I scribble, so bear with my little scribbles, but they mean something to me. So I hope that, that you'll get where I'm trying to go on this. Brian very graciously took that off of my little scratch of paper and put it up on a PowerPoint slide or whatever that is for you. So... If that line represents your, your life, or maybe it's just a week in your life, then that little squiggly line represents the area or the space in time where a scar occurred. It, whether it be a trial, a physical injury, an obstacle, but something happened inside of that space. 
Now, inside of that space, you have a decision to make about what you're going to do with that little scar. So we're going to look, look at our next picture. You can either run to God with this issue, or you can run to the enemy. But you're probably, not probably, you are going to go one of those other directions. You're going to go to God, or you're going to go to the enemy, even if you're neglecting God. You're like, I'm not really running to the enemy, I'm just neglecting God. No, you are running to the enemy if you're not running to God. It's one or the other, it's kind of black and white. You're either for him or you're against him. So that's your choice. Now let's say you choose to run to the enemy, which many, 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 many of us do. You run to the enemy, he has one agenda, and John chapter 10 tells us what it is. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy. So when you run to him with your scar, with your wound, with your trial, with your obstacle, you run to him for comfort, and be it through addictions, or I gotta numb the pain, or I've gotta buy myself out of the pain, or I've gotta, I don't know, comfort, insulate myself and, and protect myself from pain. Whatever it is, you do one of those bad ideas, and then he's going to take that piece of your life, and for the rest of your life, until you take that to God, he is going to make that a place of poison to you. Every time you remember that instant, it's going to just do poison in your heart. It's going to make you feel unforgiving and bitter and angry and full of resentment. And it's going to fuel you. You're going to get fuel from that place. But it's going to take you into becoming a destroyer because that's who he is. So you go to comfort from him, he's going to make you like he is. And he is a route to, ki to, um, to kill, still, and destroy. So you, you have a choice. You can go to him, but he will put poison in the womb. Let's say you run to God. You say, I want to run up there to you, God. This is really, 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 really hard, but I'm going to run up to you. God says, I think that's a great idea. I know a couple things about wounds. I know how to handle this. And what I want to do is I want to give you a little picture from the Old Testament about what God's going to do if you run to him in a tough time. What he's going to do is he's going to take his blood, his overcoming DNA. You get that? Where is our blood? Where is our DNA found? It's inside our blood. So Jesus is going to take his overcoming DNA and he's going to apply it to your wound. He's going to put his blood in you. His ability to overcome will come into you. And he's going to make that scar the mercy seat. Now let me tell you what that means. In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, God was given Moses the very exact descriptions of how he wanted a tab the tabernacle to be built. And it's so, I love that part because God has taste. He, he's all, he has color taste. He wanted this kind of yarn and this type of furniture. And it needed to be that type of wood and that type of fabric. And he is specific. And one of the things that he says in Exodus chapter 25 when he is describing the tabernacle is there's one little place inside that tabernacle tabernacle where he says, I will meet with you. And it's in Exodus 25. It says this. Well, actually, before I tell you what it says, I'll sum it up a little for you. Um, there was one of the pieces of furniture that was called the Ark of the Covenant. And you've probably seen the Indiana Jones movie about it. Yeah. Okay. So it's the Ark and it had a lid on it. It was like a box, a really fancy golden box, and it had a lid on top of it. And on top of the lid, there were two angels with their wings spread out, touching each other, like that. It was beautiful. And God designed it. And he said, he's very specific when he talks about this box. He says this, in verse 21, place the cover on top of the ark 
and put, and put in the ark the testimony, which were the Ten Commandments, which I will give you. There, above the cover, between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony, I will meet with you. And I will give you all my commands for Israel. I'll meet you at the mercy seat. I'll meet you at the mercy seat. They called it the mercy seat. And when the high priest would go in and, and get to see, to get before God's presence once a year in the Old Testament, where, do you, where did he sprinkle the blood, do you think? The lamb's blood that we talked about several weeks ago. He sprinkled it on the mercy seat. I can only come to your presence through the blood of sacrifice of a perfect lamb. I'll meet you on the mercy seat. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's telling us a secret about how he will encounter us. And so he's saying, you can take that scar, that wound, and if you bring it to me, I'll put my blood on top of it, and I'll make it a mercy seat from now on. And for the rest of your life, every time you think about this memory, you can know I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there. Every time anybody brings it up in your face and you, and you, and you begin to feel the scorn or the shame or the rejection with the, the enemy's finger in your face, you remember, my blood's there. I'll meet you there for the rest of your life. I'll meet you there. I'll meet you at that scar and I'll make you an overcomer and you're going to rise up and you're going to be more powerful than you had have been if you had never had that scar. Only our God can do that. Only our God can take the things that the enemy wants. To, he means to destroy us with them. And God says, oh, I'll perfect you with them. Wow, we Zoe, that is good news. That makes you want to tell somebody about that. That is awesome news that the enemy can ha has nothing on Jesus. I want to tell you just uh, real quickly a little of my story, um, which you can go tell, show them the next picture of the cross and... Then I want to go into my story. I really saw that if you see the cross on cross shadowing every one of your memories, every one of your scars, then you know that, that I'll hide in the shadow of the cross and my, Jesus will meet me there. For me, that was a journey. Learning to be an overcomer was a journey, and it is for all of us. And the first time that I really encountered the, the power of the enemy where he came to take me out, and I've shared a little of my story with you guys before, but it was when I was 12 years old, and I was sexually abused. And that is the first time where the enemy came and wounded me deeply. And at that point in my life, I was so ashamed of what had happened. I was too ashamed to run to God. So if, remember what I told you about? If, if you don't run to God, you unintentionally run to the enemy. So I ran to the enemy, and what happened is that 12-year-old incident with the sexual abuse gave birth, because I ran to the enemy, it gave birth to seven more years of sexual immorality. So the scar that would have been that long widened to about that long. And I, for, until I was 19 years old, I didn't even begin to take that piece of my life to the Lord. So there was a lot of pain in that. But I want to go on. The next time that I really had a, a major trauma in my life is at my father's death. My dad died two weeks before my wedding. Shannon and I, uh, he was going to perform our wedding ceremony, and we were on a trip and got a phone call that he had had a massive heart attack, flew home, got to see him once. He died. I went to his funeral the next Saturday. Next two Saturdays, I went, I w went to my wedding. I was very angry at God at the timing on that one. And I was so angry, 
And there were a few other things that were going on in my life right then. I was so angry that for the first time in my little preacher's kid life, I officially said, I don't like you anymore, so see ya. Like, I, I could hurt God by saying that. So I, I turned around, and I really did feel like this is what happened. Like, I turned on my heel, and I gave a good hard look at the world. Like, what do you got? How can, I'm mad at him, and so how can you help me? And I saw, like, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to a bar, and I'm going to get really drunk. Huh. Even if it'll just numb the pain for, like, 30 minutes, I'll feel better. Or I'm going to, I looked at drugs. You know, I looked at all the things. And in that moment, I had just spent several years of my life previous to that, telling kids how stupid it was to do drugs and alcohol. And so I turned on my heel to look at it, and I was like, I could hear my own voice talking about how stupid and empty all those choices were. And I felt just like Peter when I looked at what the world had to offer and I had to look back at God. And in John chapter 6, or John chapter, end of John chapter 5, Peter says to Jesus, where am I going to go? I mean, if there was an option, I might take it right now because you're kind of offensive to me. But where am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And so at that point in my life, I said, I don't like you very much, but I'm going to follow you. I did. It's the honest truth. And I said, you can't talk to me, and I'm not talking to you, but I'm following. <laughs> the Lord has profound grace over me, let me tell you. Then the next time in my life that the enemy wounded, or, or life, or however you describe it, came and brought a wounded to my life was um, through the illness of our daughter, Annie. And uh, when she was five years old, she um, had a, in one, inside of a week, she lost her vision. She went blind. And it, it, it kind of gave us, led us into this path that lasted up to two years of just a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow, a lot of disappointment. And please understand that how quickly I'm going through this right now isn't symbolic of how painful it was, but I am trying to move because of time. But I got to Annie's illness, and there was one point where... Um, she was in the hospital, and they gave her a spinal tap without properly numbing her. And I had to hold her down, and I won't go into a lot of that. However, it was excruciating. I got back into that hospital room, and I announced to God, there was no way you were in that room. There was no way love was in that room. And I tried it again. I tried it again. I was like, I'm not talking to you. And I put my Bible down, and for 24 hours, I just looked at it because she and I were alone in the hospital room and everybody else was gone. And the next day, it was like the Lord was just shouting at me, I got something for you, I got something for you. I said, okay, I'm giving you one chance and it better be good. So I shut my eyes. <laughs> and honest, honest truth, I opened the Bible. I looked down at the very first words. You know, God's, again, can I say his grace is profound in my life? And it said this, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in, in him. For who is God besides the Lord and who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory. Your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles will not turn. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I get it. I know this is hard, but walk it with me. Walk it with me. Come on, I've got you. Come on, I've got you. And I felt like my, little, my legs were like this as I was trying to follow. So weak. 
But Jesus was like, I'm taking you somewhere you've never been. Trust me, trust me, trust me. And that's the last time I ever looked at the enemy. That's it. The next time I was tested is when Annie was diagnosed. And uh, we... We knew it was hard. Shannon, we had been through a season of unemployment. He'd lost his job. We'd lost a uh, lot of good ministry friends had gone out of our lives. It was a time when the Lord allowed us to really be hit on all sides. And it was in the middle of that that I, d I became an overcomer. It was in this moment that I became an overcomer. Not just somebody who was enduring, but I became an overcomer. And it happened just like this. One morning, in the middle of all that pain, I just felt this compelling that I wanted to just march around my house seven times like Jericho. I didn't know what wall was going to fall down, but I was open to any of them at that point. <laughs> and so I did. You know, my children were in there eating their Saturday cereal and watching their cartoons in their jammies. And I think I had my jammies on. I threw on a coat because it was Buffalo, New York, and you always wear a coat. And I um, started marching around my house. And I think I was on my fifth lap around, and I had a little, little CD and I was listening to, and my little baby, Ellick, who at that time was like maybe two, he waddled out in his bare feet in his jammies, wondering what in the world his mother was doing, because he kept seeing me go by the window, <laughs> and he had to check that out. So he came out in his little bare feet, and I was like, baby, mommy's just walking around the house. You go back inside. I'll be in in just a minute. So I set him in, and he put his little chubby fingers against the kitchen window and just kept watching me go around. Well, he couldn't stand it. The sixth lap he had patience for, and the seventh lap he came back out. And I was right at the beginning of my seventh lap, and I picked him up, and I was like, all right, you can come with mommy. So I tucked his legs inside my coat and wrapped him around, and I started walking. And the song on my CD switched to, forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever, forever forever God is faithful and the more I started marching the more I started singing like singing so loud I have had a lot of really foolish moments on this earth and that was probably one of them in my jammies singing loud forever God is faithful marching around my house and in the midst of that seventh lap the Lord spoke to my heart and this was what he said who do you have in your arms who do you have in your arms I said Elick what does his name mean God conquers God conquers is in your arms. And I was so filled with joy at that point, I marched to the edge of our property, and there were woods all around, and I shouted at the woods, literally at the top of my lungs. I said, you came to take me out. You came to defeat me. But guess what? You lose. I love God more. I love him more today than I did when you started. I am more than a conqueror. You have been defeated. Forever God is faithful. You hear me singing that? You hear me singing that? Is that the best you've got? Forever God is strong. Forever God is with me. Forever. And that was the first time in my life that I experienced what the Bible talks about in Romans who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Is that the best you've got? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. 
We're considered sheep to be slaughtered, but no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the song of the overcomer. That is the song that Jesus wants to hear his church singing. And in Revelation, in every single letter to the churches, he says, but if you overcome, this is what I'll do for you. Yes, it's going to be tough. Absolutely, the enemy is coming hard against you. But when you overcome, I will give you this. There is a list, um, and I won't go through all of them, but on the last picture... um, There is a list of all the things that the overcomer will get to do. Eat from the tree of life. Will not be hurt by the second death. Given hidden manna and a new name. Authority over the nations. Dressed in white. Name remembered at the throne. A pillar in the house of God. I will write on him the name of God and he will sit with me on my throne. I think that will be worth it. Amen? I think think someday that's going to matter. And if we would live on earth with the way it is in heaven in mind wouldn't we overcome wouldn't we push through this stuff that is the stuff of earth and say god your kingdom come on earth just like it is in heaven and if i get to sit on your throne someday can i do it today can you just scoop me up today in the middle of all this stuff can i just be with you Revelations chapter 12 says um, a wonderful scripture about how the end time saints overcame the enemy. And I keep wondering if maybe we're them. I don't know, but maybe we are. But whether we are or whether we aren't, there is something to learn from these end time saints. And I've already taught you two of them. He says this, they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb the mercy seat by the word of their testimony is that the best you got and the last one is that they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death and I have a a buddy named Jim Braddock who was in a great movie called the Cinderella man and uh, I'm gonna let him teach you what it looks like to not love your life so much as to shrink from death and following this clip um, I have a few more words to say, but this is what I want you to look for. When I saw this movie, um, in the midst of it, we were just in the process of raising money to plant this church. And to say that it was an uphill task is an understatement. We arrived in this community not not knowing a soul. And God wanted us in four to five months to plant a church. And it was a little overwhelming. And the enemy, if you can imagine, because now you're beginning to see what this church is and what God had in mind, the enemy was coming hard against her birth, you know. And in the middle of that movie, um, the Lord taught me a lot of things. But one of the things he said was, look at Jim's face. Look at his face. Does he have scars? Yes, sir, he does have scars. His eyes are swollen. His face is bleeding. But does he stop swinging? No, Sherry, keep swinging. Just keep swinging. And you're going to watch the enemy leave the ring in disgrace. Why do we keep swinging? You know, why do we keep swinging? For the same reason that James Braddock kept swinging, milk. 
it's because it's for the next generation. Church, we have to figure this out. We have to learn how to overcome because our children are watching. And if you don't have courage to fight for yourself, then fight for them. Just like he did. The church really failed Generation X. And she is out there. 88% not attached to a church at all. We can't do that again. We have to learn how to overcome as individuals so that as a church, when we come together, we don't just maintain. We're not only standing, we're moving forward. We're taking things back. Like at Monford Park and other places. And I believe that is what God birthed this church for. It is not just to maintain. It is to move forward. But we have to learn it in our own lives. So I don't know who your max bear is who's coming across the ring with his eyes set to kill you. I don't know who that is. I don't know if it's pornography or addictions or depression or violence or lies. I don't know who he is, but whatever it is, you stay in the ring and you keep swinging. You keep swinging and swinging and swinging until you figure out how to punch him and hit him and make contact. And I really believe you're going to watch him leave the ring in disgrace. It's not just because I believe it, because you have the blood, the DNA of an overcomer in you when Jesus gives you that ability. Amen. And so I asked Nate, I was like, I can't watch that movie without like needing to shout some things. And so I'm asking you, even though we're just teensy, like tipped on the other side, if you need to go get your baby, get your baby and bring him out here and we'll sing together. But we're going to declare some things. And I believe, and I want to give you this opportunity, if you're one of those people who's in the ring right now, and you're bloody, and you're scarred, and if you want to set yourself apart a little bit from this crowd, then come down here and say it. We're going to stand, and if you need to just separate yourself and go, it's me. God, help me to keep swinging. And I will know victory. It's not if. I will. Because Jesus is the ability, gives us the ability to overcome. It is not a question of if. And the church has to stop asking the question if. I'm so weary of hearing it. It isn't if. It's when. My God is able to help you overcome the things where the enemy is trying to destroy you. You have to believe it. You must believe it. I think we're defeated in our faith. It's our faith that is weak. God help us to overcome. There is so much work that needs to be done. Jesus, I pray that you'll help us to believe this as we stand and sing these really big words. Help them not to just be a song. Dear God, make it a declaration into the heavens. And I pray that the enemy will shudder when he hears the redeemed singing a song about overcoming. And Jesus, I pray that the enemy will take his hands off this church and off these individuals and that this church will be set free and that tomorrow morning we will know victory that we may have never known. Jesus, I believe you. I believe that you are able. So please show yourself powerful here among us today. In Jesus' name, amen.